This free Hey Legal podcast is brought to you with the support of Caseload from De Novo Business Intelligence. This podcast is brought to you by Workflow Solutions, specialists in records and document management, scanning and digitization, managed print, cloud and IT solutions. Hi and welcome back to the Hey Legal podcast. On today's episode, Ali Thompson is in conversation with Ian Moyer, solicitor and conveyor of the Law Society's Criminal Legal Aid Negotiation Team. Ian discusses criminal summary business in the Sheriff Court, written pleas, the processes, Scottish Legal Aid Board payment and discounts on sentences. Let's hear it. Ian, thanks very much uh, for joining me uh, and, and for speaking to here Legal and thanks very much for the updates that you've done before now in relation to the emergency provisions being put in place around uh, the criminal justice system. Um, there have been more updates in the last uh, day or so, and hence the reason that we speak this morning. Could you just, as a start, give, give a, an outline as to the, the key aspects of, of what's uh, just happened? Yeah, of course, um, and thanks for the opportunity to get the message out there to the profession through Hey Legal. Um, basically, one of the measures that I identified early on when we went into lockdown was that it would be beneficial to ask the government and the SLAB to allow written pleas in case we were in the sort of scenario we are where we'll probably get many, many weeks before the courts will be anywhere near operating as normal. Um, it seemed a safe way for the profession to be able to dispose of cases that are capable of resolution. And obviously I wanted to make sure that funding for the profession was in place before we put the system in. As soon as that was done, I approached uh, the Crown and the Scottish Court Service with a view to bringing in the system that went live yesterday. Um, in fairly quick time, we managed to get to a stage where we had a protocol set up which access on the Scottish Court website. It will go on the Crown's website and also the Law Society's website uh, and it will be doing the rounds on Twitter. Um, that protocol sets out how the courts and the Crown will deal with any written pleas which the solicitors can identify. Um, you know, most people will have a number of cases in their filing cabinet which are likely to be a plea at some stage. And basically, the idea is that uh, you would go through those files, contact the clients, and identify cases that might be capable of resolution. Uh, all the contact details for the various school's offices are contained in the protocol and you would then email or use a plea hotline like they have in Glasgow, uh, but in either event, make contact with the Crown. Once you've resolved an acceptable plea, uh, there's an appendix that the solicitor will complete and there's a number of pieces of information in there, but basically it's your plea mitigation that you would give on your feet uh, put in writing. Um, at that stage, when the fiscal receives your email with that document completed uh, with a, an electronic signature, there's no need for wet signatures on any of these documents. They will then contact the clerks who will assign a court to deal with the case. At the moment, the uh, fiscals are intending on having a deputy 
physically present in the court, but the protocol does allow for virtual presence from the Crown. But either way, a narrative will be given by the Crown and then the Sheriff will deal with your uh, written document. Um, if there's a case where there's redaction required from the summary of evidence, then that will be agreed in advance with the Crown. And if there's an unusual case with a particularly complicated background, then you can set out what's accepted and not accepted in your uh, written document. Sheriff will have a mobile contact number for the solicitor so that either he or the clerk in a case where it will allow the case to be disposed of rather than being further adjourned. If, for example, they want to know what happened to a case your client was on bail for or something like that, then they can make contact with you. Uh, the idea would also be that in a, a road traffic case, that the clerk would phone you when they got the DVLA printout before the case goes to the sheriff confirm with you that you have the correct understanding of how many points your client has on their licence to avoid a scenario where the client thought he had six live points but he actually had nine and suddenly he's disqualified. Um, so th there will be some communication there. Um, in most cases I would expect though that the sheriff will simply be able to deal with the case and either impose a fine, uh, a level one community payback order which obviously there's been an extension statute for a month period to allow these orders to be completed so hopefully the bench will have the confidence to be able to impose those orders uh, or there will still obviously be some cases where what uh, is required at least we've made progress and a date can be fixed for eight weeks ahead for a report to be available just for the sake of clarity there is a request for the mobile telephone number of the accused I, I questioned that myself when we were first asked it, because clearly it's not something that routinely would be known to the sheriff. There is no intention whatsoever that the sheriff would phone the accused. The reason that that is there is that in most courts, if the case is adjourned for reports, social worker is on hand to make contact with the accused there and then to get things like their mobile number. So it's with a view to if a case goes off for report and for no other reason that you ask to provide the client's mobile telephone number. So that's kind of, in general terms, how the protocol is intended to work. We will be told once a date is fixed. The date should be fixed really quite soon after the, the request for a hearing. Um, each, each hub court will deal with cases differently in terms of how they assign the business. Um, I think the intention in Glasgow, for example, which is one of the busier courts, and maybe the same in Edinburgh, will be to run separate courts, and the, the sheriff's principal are willing to put on extra courts uh, in order to get the business moving. So the, the, the idea is to try and get the message out there for people to embrace this, uh, to minimise the backlog, and it will apply for all summary cases, so that will include any cases which currently had dates, which have been off till September or October or whatever. There'll be a minute of acceleration to fix a new date to have the case dealt with soon. Um, it will also apply to any new cited cases, any undertakings. So the idea is to communicate with the Crown and get as much business processed as we can. Yeah, that's a brilliant outline of 
uh, what's proposed. Just a, a couple of aspects to it. So the, the the opportunity now lies for the firms to go to perhaps their filing cabinet and say, right, look at these cases that are here. And in a practical sense, we do thereafter be contacting your client, getting instructions from them and intimating your position to the Crown. Uh, they then agree that, that that would be acceptable to them. And you mentioned there being a, essentially a, a written plea and mitigation submitted. Is that submitted to the, to the fiscal or is it submitted to the client? Yes. The idea would be to minimise duplication of work. The idea would be that you would speak to a fiscal um, Maybe if I spoke to a fiscal this morning, for example, that I would then go away and in short order within the next few hours, ideally on the same working day, I'd be going back to the fiscal with my completed part of the document. The fiscal will then submit my written plea and mitigation along with a certified copy of the complaint and a schedule of previous convictions or a confirmation that they don't have any convictions. That all will then be sent by the fiscal to the clerk it, so there's no duplication of work and everything is available. Uh, that's another point just to, to highlight for practitioners, non-hub courts. Um, again, we asked why do you need a certified copy of the complaint if the court is going to be dealing with it. But the reality is in non-hub courts, they will not have the copy complaint and all the other paperwork Available because they're not intending to open those courts to deal with written pleas. They'll be dealt with in a hub court. Okay. And obviously, um, with the emergency legislation, in theory, cases can be dealt with all over the country. So to provide for where there's a gap in the system so they can deal with the case quicker, the case can be sent there and dealt with. So that, that's the reason that the Crown will send a copy complaint. Okay. So then you have the scenario where whether the fiscal's physically present or not, but obviously the matter then calls in court before a sheriff and Crown narration, written plea placed before the court and you indicated that there's a mobile phone in the event that a number for yourself or an agent where if any issue arises, you can be contacted at that time, I suppose, for clarification. Is it proposed that there's any line of communication at all to the client during this? i.e. would you be conveying anything to them or would they have any access to seeing in any way what's going on? At the moment, no. Um, I think as the technology is introduced to more and more of this, then um, it might be possible to use WebEx or something similar that the courts have used before. But at the moment, these are cases where the accused is clearly not going to be given a prison sentence because they aren't there. And whilst in the ideal world you would want people to be present, um, it, it happens from time to time now where a case will be dealt with because the accused can't be there or uh, in a road traffic case if there have been no previous convictions and it's all been agreed in advance, um, you know, for a warrant so the person doesn't have to be off for work or whatever. So it's not a scenario where for the first time ever a case will be dealt with without the presence of the accused. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And um, so and then th th there's intimation of the outcome is, is facilitated through what means? The clerk will email the, the solicitor and let them know the outcome of the case. Uh -huh. um, and just on the, on the last point as well, um, I think the vast majority of cases 
the sheriff will simply be able to deal with if we fill in the appendix properly. It's designed to provide all of the information. Um, and one thing to highlight on the, the appendix that we have to complete is if it's a road traffic case, because the accused would normally be there um, in case they were disqualified and that will not be happening, um, you'll have to say to the client in advance, your case is calling next Tuesday. So on Tuesday of next week, you must not drive your car until I tell you one way or the other uh, whether you were disqualified. And obviously, if it's right. driving or something where it's mandatory, then you'll be saying to them, you will be disqualified next Tuesday, so you must not drive uh, on okay. Tuesday, and I'll tell you how long your ban is. Um, so that's mention in fairness to the accused rather than a legal requirement that they're present. In England, it's quite common for people to be disqualified in their absence. Um, so it's not that there's any emergency legislation required or anything. Of course, at the end of the day, uh, nobody is forcing the accused to plead guilty. Um, simply, can we deal with as much business that's capable of resolution as possible? Yeah. And um, in terms of, I just one thing I was going to ask you, for, forgive me that I don't know this, but with a community payback order, do you... Is that something that normally the accused would be agreeing to perform in a court currently? And do if so, do you have to give prior agreement or intimation within your uh, written record that they are willing to to undertake that? Uh, it's, it's not spelled out as something that's required, but yes, you do need the consent of the accused. So that's why there's a, a request for information about the health of the accused or whatever. So. Had a, for example, a client who's disabled and unfit to do a community payback order, then you'd be putting in the protocol uh, the client is in a wheelchair and unable to do a uh, service or uh, the form of injury, which means they're only suitable for light work under the community service scheme. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the, the information needs to be there to allow the sheriff to proceed, um, okay. but uh, you obviously would be explaining to a client these are the likely proposals in the case. Most likely ones are going to be an admonition, a fine, a long deferred sentence, level one community payback order in terms of what the sheriff can actually do on one of these written pleas. And what's the position in relation to uh, discount and sentencing? <clears throat> if, if it's an accelerated plea, for example, coming in, you know, is it the same? Can you just outline if, if that's been given any particular thought? Yeah, I mean, it, it has. I mean, I think certainly my experience of dealing with new custody cases at the moment is that um, an early plea is being given significant credit, um, not necessarily in terms of a formal enhanced discount, in terms of the disposal, the starting point. I, I anticipate from the discussions that I've had around bringing this in that accused uh, persons who take advantage of this will be more likely to be happy with the outcome than if they wait until later this year and it's business as usual. Um, I know that there is a, a move or a request to consider an enhanced discount at the moment. Um, I think the Sentencing Council are considering issuing guidelines on that and I think there's also... Uh, been some appeals um, down in England and I think 
probably there's some in the pipeline up here uh, to try and have a formal recognition that increased utilitarian value of getting a case resolved early because there's no doubt that there is a substantial uh, increased value to the system because we've got a huge backlog looming if we don't deal with this. Um, and, you know, the reality is that we have a duty to try and make the justice system work. We are a key important part of the justice system. We have a responsibility to try and help get the business moving. And frankly, there's also an economic reality for many firms that if we don't get the system moving as far as we can at the moment, there will be an enormous backlog which will impact on cash flow and no secret that the system will have to prioritise solemn business when they start back. So if we don't clear as much summary business as possible, you're likely to see even more use of fiscal fines and the like rather than prosecution in court, which obviously has a substantial impact on the inability of most criminal legal aid firms, um, which is something that I think can't shrink from that. Um, people are going to have to make this priority to try and clear as much business as they can. Obviously, nobody's suggesting that you start pleading cases that otherwise would have been a trial, but the reality is that we will all have cases which are already in our filing cabinet or cases I had last week where the client turned up at court for an undertaking wanting to plead guilty and we were handed a letter dated 13 days before putting his case off till the end of August. He's on special bail conditions. I've now written to the Crown saying, I want you to serve a citation in this case before we got this protocol so that I can plead guilty. Um, and this will be one of the first cases that we approach the Crown and get resolved. Yeah. And what is the position regarding remuneration for the various different ways this could play out? If you've got an existing case where you have legal aid, then you'll simply claim your fee when you get the outcome from the clerk of court in the normal way as if you had turned up at court. If you would have been able to grant abwar by coming up to the court and tendering a plea, then you can do that in writing now and you will be paid the full uh, abwar fee in round figures, £500 for a sheriff court case or uh, the work involved in contacting the client, negotiating the plea with the Crown and generating the document uh, with your mitigation and intimating the outcome to the client. So you will be paid in full for that. That is um, something that the government have allowed SLAB by direction to interpret the regulation during the emergency time um, so this this is only an emergency measure, um, will not persist once we go back to whatever business as usual becomes, but it will mean that you are going to get paid for a new case that comes up, which you could have admitted the client to Abwar for, that's of the, the big attraction. Right, yeah. In terms of, and, and tell me, just in practical terms, so for your own firm, for example, Ian, you know, is it the case now that you're implementing a process to look at the cabinet and try to see what you can get moving in relation to disposing of business where there's a desire and a, a possibility of doing so? Yeah, absolutely. We've already started to identify uh, 
all of the summary cases in the cabinet where we have a legal aid in place or a private fee, a, a case that had a date aside, whether that was a, an intermediate diet and a trial diet or whatever stage, obviously if it's something that's already going to deferred sentence, then that's different. But we're trying to identify all of the live files. We're going to be having a team meeting today to explain to everyone in the firm exactly how the system would work. And uh, then the idea is that we'll start working the phones and the email with the Crown to try and uh, get as many of these cases that the clients want resolved often as soon as possible. And I think the hope would be that um, some cases might even call later this week. Right, good to that. And can I just ask if you had, I presume the answer to this is yes, but you had reassurance that it will be that this system will be sufficiently resourced, that there's a desire to make it work, because I think I can certainly speak from experience in years gone by of the hopes of disposing of a case early and the minute of acceleration going in and then basically one of the constituent uh, parties has no idea of what's actually uh, meant to be taking place and the thing essentially often falls apart. Yeah. I can say that uh, the feedback that I've had from the Sheriff's principal is that they are uh, very much in favour of this scheme and determined to provide whatever resources are required to make sure that it works. Uh, the Crown and the Scottish Court Service obviously were involved in devising the protocol, so they know what is needed uh, for their respective roles. And uh, I, I anticipate that they will be able to make this work. I mean, obviously, there's likely to be the odd early example of a, a, a teething trouble, it's like any new system, and, and uh, in a time when people aren't able to work in the normal way. But yes, I, I do anticipate that the will is very much there the backlog because from everyone's perspective, it's easy to see the benefit to the justice system of that and the benefit to each of the respective bodies and the roles that they have to fulfil. So court service want to make sure that they can be uh, disposing of business efficiently the Crown want these cases dealt with, um, and in any early resolution, obviously, is better for them in terms of resource and having to provide disclosure and get trials up and running. Um, not realistic at the moment, and obviously, we've discussed the benefit to the profession in terms of all this being an effective measure. I mean, it is an emergency measure. It's, it's not the ideal way of doing it, but it's the only way that's safe and effective at the moment. Listen, Ian, thank you so much um, for that outline. I'm sure that I'll be of great assistance to everyone who listens in. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you about or we haven't covered that you'd like to just highlight before we, we finish up? I think really, in conclusion, I would just like to um, encourage people to use this system and to provide as much information as you possibly can on the, the forum so that cases are not having to be put off other than because the sheriff needs a report. You know, it, it's important that we give all of the information that we can about the case because at the end of the day, um, 
you would do that in a clear mitigation. Um, this is a little more disjointed, clearly, because the sheriff might ask you things in the course of address while you're on your feet, which you won't be able to do. So it's really important that you get clear instruction from the client as to exactly what their position is and get that set out and fill in all of the, the relevant parts of the form so that the sheriffs can deal with this and the JPs can deal with uh, all of the summary business. So this, this scheme is designed to cover any summary business at all. Okay. Listen again, Ian, thanks very much. Um, we're recording this on the morning of the 12th, so we're looking to release this uh, later on this afternoon to get information out as quickly as, as possible through illegal. And thank you for the uh, assistance you've given us since we, we started, and uh, I am sure uh, many others will benefit from what you've told us today. So thanks, thanks very, very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to this Hey Legal podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear the full CPD qualifying content, please visit heylegal.co.uk to subscribe and join our community. Or you could ask your law firm to contact us for a firm-wide subscription. Learn more, be more with Hey Legal. <laughs>